Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. My name is Matt Fisher. I'm a risk executive at ServiceNow. I support the DoD and IC. And today I'm very lucky to be speaking to a friend of mine, a colleague named Hassan Javid. Hassan, tell him about yourself. Oh, thanks, Matt. Yeah, so I'm the Senior Director of the Audit Risk and Control Assurance Operations Team here at ServiceNow. Uh, I've been here for eight years, Matt, for a very long time doing risk and controls and compliance. So it's internal audit, enterprise risk and enterprise issue, business continuity management, financial controls, SOX, security compliance, ESG. So you have about 150 employees for all this? Oh, yeah. No, yeah, of course. And I have a team of actually three. <laughs> That support <laughs> our journey on our platform, right? That enables all these teams to, you know, build the risk and control programs. So what exactly is a risk and control in your mind? These are terms we use frequently, of, of course. Yeah. They're, they're the industry vernacular. And I, I feel like if you kind of aren't part of the industry, if you're hearing it for the first time, they sound like some pretty harsh terms, <laughs> a risk, a control. Yeah. How do you define a risk and a control? Are they indeed harsh terms? No, I think, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think about my personal life. I mean, we sort of think about risk generally what we do when I walk around, when I drive my son to school, when I do my banking, I think about, okay, if I don't turn in my ballot on time, then my vote's not going to count. So that's a risk, right, to me. So how do I mitigate that risk? So, well, I got to make sure I show up on time either to vote or to drop off my ballot. Whether you realize it or not, as human beings, we're making constant micro risk calculations every day. Yeah. Do I step on the crack on the sidewalk or do I not? Do I turn left now or should I wait for that car out there to pass? Exactly. How does this work in the corporate world though? You know, obviously, you know, you mentioned socks and you mentioned things like business continuity. And I, th I think those are, you know, fairly obvious terms, but yeah. what other types of risk does, does an entity and organization and enterprise look at? The ones that the board really cares about are the top enterprise risk, right? What are the risks that we really need to focus on that could really pretty much bring down the company, right? Uh, and those actually come down to a handful, right? Or maybe a dozen or so, right? Cybersecurity, that's probably number one, right? For a lot of folks right out there, uh, data governance, data privacy, the uh, intellectual property risk. Those are the top ones that could impact the company, the financials and their shareholders. And then, you know, you, you sort of dig deeper with that, but so those are the top level risk that we will call them level zero, level one risk in the industry. But as you dig deeper into below that, that's, those are the more operational risk, right? Where each of these functions I named off were have their own risk they have to mitigate, which may not always propagate up to the enterprise level, but these are things they have to sort of keep making sure they do every day, right? You're managing really a very, very broad range of risks. And I assume that that expansion came with the expansion of ServiceNow over time as well. Yeah. So what does it take to shift an enterprise? Surely there was some pretty large culture changes that had to occur. I think every organization strives to have like that connective view of risk, right? Where I can go to one place, one dashboard and see my risk across all these different domains, such as business continuity to vendor risk, to uh, internal audit uh, and SOCs and so on. So, but you know, for us internally, the culture shift was, yeah, I mean, I've been for eight years, right? So the company was a very different spot eight years ago where we only had to focus on a couple of those domains, right? And then you start building it off of that, right? You build that, you have your foundation and Companies start at different spots. They can either start with business continuity, third-party risk, or security compliance, which is you know pretty traditional with ISO and PCI and so on. And one of the things that we wanted to really do as ServiceNow was embed 
that into everyday life for an employee, right? Make it easy, simplify those compliance and risk activities they do every day. And that was either through process engineering, architecting, through technology as well to automate workflows. So whatever we had to do to really help that first line, the control and um, policy owners, really to go and just enable them to, you know, just make it easy for them, right? We all we all want that in our life. We want things to be easy, right? We don't want them to be complicated. So thinking through that end to end was a big culture shift for us. And, you know, from there, just, you know, self-service was a big part of it too, right? I, I know how I am, Matt. I don't know how you are, but <laughs> I want to be able to log in. I want to be able to maintain my, my set of work tasks and what I need to do. And I want to be able to be able to change things, right? So that's what we empowered our first line to do. Well, I mean, it sounds like you're building actual cohesion, right? So that's not, yeah. you're getting these different process owners, these different uh, system owners and stakeholders around the company, you know, actually really engaged with your teams. Yeah. What do you do for visibility? Yeah. I mean, that's where, you know, for us, the great thing is since we, we have a single platform, we sort of put all this into, uh, we're able to maintain that visibility and update, right? Keeping them fresh, right? Through that, what I mentioned, the workflow, right? Uh, so just having it one spot. I mean, that's really comes down to like, it just, you know, it just accelerates your journey, right? Into that connective view risk that you want to build across your enterprise. What would all of this look like if you didn't have service now available to you? <laughs> right? if you um, I might, if I might retire if tomorrow. You're doing this <laughs> <laughs> if you're doing this exact same job, uh, in, in, in another company, the same size, the same risks and controls, but, but you didn't have service now available to you. It's, it's really painful. That's, and it just from personal experience, just, uh, if you don't have a single place to go to, you're always chasing things down. You're always emailing people and, and crossing your fingers that the thing they send you is all is, is right. And it's accurate. and It's up to date. And sometimes it's not, then that involves more churn, right? Where I have to continually work with them. Right. Um, and sometimes if they do have a system, it's maybe a point solution, then I have to get a different login, right? And hopefully that works when I log in and then I have to navigate and, you know, it makes my job tougher as a risk professional. Uh, so it adds more time or hours and I could be missing things, right? That's the biggest risk, right? Is I could be missing things as I'm doing my compliance activities because it's so hard to get down to the, the, the right data. What does issue remediation look like for you? Uh, internally here, what we do is. We document the remediation tasks. Uh, we set uh, SLAs and timelines, and the system automatically sends out those notifications. What that flows into is a, also a dashboard, right? So these dashboards are looked across all these teams, especially by the enterprise issue team that monitors this and is able to follow up on any things that maybe, you know, like, hey, looks like this one is a little overdue. Let's reach out to them. What's going on here, right? By having that data point, we're able to do that, right? And again, that eliminates that whole falling through the cracks. I'm guessing that really facilitates more autonomous, continuous monitoring as well, right? I mean, everyone seems to have a different concept of continuous monitoring. What, what does continuous monitoring mean to you? I think those two terms get thrown around uh, a lot. Uh, so uh, continuous monitoring and continuous auditing are the two terms I'm mentioning. So we continuously monitor if we audit everything every 12 months. Well, that's not really continuous monitoring. That's continuous auditing, right? Uh, continuous monitoring to me so is a couple of things, right, Matt? So either we automate the fashion of gathering evidence uh, from the control owner you know, directly by either reminding them 
or actually going to the system and coming and bringing it back into the into the platform. So that's the way for us to just keep on track that, hey, at least the control owners are either providing the evidence for the controls or automating grabbing it from the system uh, with, with checks and balances. And then the evolution, right, the game changer, which I think everyone strives for, is be able to have those real-time alerts. So as things are changing in the system, as, you know, access, change management, configurations, uh, I mean, you can even talk about financial transaction thresholds. As those are being uh, changed or updated, be able to get an alert uh, to yourself being the compliance team and also the control owner and then work together on remediation, right? You're not waiting for that point of time auditing anymore, right? That continuous auditing essentially is a point in time auditing. Now this is happening. It can happen in the next hour. It can happen tomorrow, right? So just all, you have that constant 24-7 monitoring. It just gives that visibility back into you know, the first line and the second line being the compliance team to be able to work together. Uh, so by the time the third line, the external team comes in, you can actually be really comfortable. You say like, our controls are working effectively. That's kind of what it's all about, isn't it? That that audit readiness. Exactly. So it sounds like you're living in a bit of a risk management Shangri-La here. You know, I can't imagine everything is as automated and as smooth everywhere around the world. So for those folks listening, whether they're they're coming in from a corporation or, or a DOD agency somewhere else in the government, and they're going, you know, wow, that's not what we have now, right? <laughs> we don't have the system support. Yeah, we don't have our first and second line or stakeholders engaged, right? We're we're not getting any of that, but but they want to move there, right? Yeah, they have that aspiration. What wisdom can you share with them trying to get to that kind of great environment you're in now? Obviously, a lot of sweat has been poured over the past eight years, right, to get us to this point, right? Um, and you know, obviously, the technology piece is a big part of it that that helps us, you know, enable all of this. But you're right; it is people in process, right? Um, and the big advice I give, don't boil the ocean. I think people try to do too much when they think across their different risk and compliance programs and trying to digitally transform it all at the same time and try to put into the system and then things aren't working and then you know, people get frustrated. So that's one big piece of advice, not, don't boil the ocean. And the second piece, sort of what I went back to earlier, Matt, was simplify those compliance uh, and risk activities that the first line does, right? How can I make their life easier? Uh, either through the you know reengineering the process and or you know using the technology, how can I make sure that you know they they get the notifications they need, they can go in and do their job correctly and then embed that risk DNA. So again, don't boil the ocean and simplify your compliance or risk activities for your first line. It sounds like they do need to start with that end in mind though. Oh yeah, they need to, they need to start with that vision of kind of bringing everything together and centralizing. Exactly. I draw, draw. I mean, build out that digital transformation roadmap, right? Build out that heat map. Look across all these risk and compliance teams, and think through. And, you know, build that process inventory, right? And build that criteria of like what things you want to focus on, what things float to the top first for each of these teams, and then focus on that and build those out first. Piece this together, right? And it, in a in a way, it makes sense, right? And doesn't overburden your risk and compliance teams, your stakeholders. And also IT, right? They're on this journey with you as well. Hassan, this has been fantastic. I think a lot of our customers are trying to get that to that kind of enlightened spot that you're in right now, where you know they they have the system down. 
a, a system of technology, but also a system of processes, a system of culture. And they're really able to drive the entire enterprise programs from kind of that single cockpit with a very small set of teams. So you know, I think if you'd like to learn more about this, you should, of course, look at our own integrated risk management capabilities, where we're providing the ability to consolidate all of your risk programs, you know, manage everything as a single register, handle everything from, you know, internal, external risk, third party, fourth party risk, uh, down to internal, external audit. So you can start that adventure by looking into our integrated risk management software or speaking to any one of your account executives or myself. I'm Matt Fisher. I'm the risk executive for the DoD and IC within ServiceNow. And I'm Hassan Javed, the Senior Director of the Audit Risk and Control Assurance Team here at ServiceNow. You've been listening to Matt and Hassan. Thank you.